Hey, you've made it to Sprayspace, where people managing social media accounts come for community. This year, our focus is social media for good. Together, we can work to make social media a landscape for healthy online communities to grow. Sound good? Then come along with us on the Sprayspace podcast, where we share what we know, learn what we don't, and strive to make social media better for us all. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Spry Space podcast. I am so happy to be here, and I am graced by the presence of Ms. Amber. How are you doing today, Amber? I'm extra sleepy. How are you doing today? Yeah, you told me right before this, you said, Lacey, I'm a limp noodle. I hope, you know, I hope it's going to be okay. And what did I say? You said, that's fine. I'm going to add some sauce and make it a whole Big, meal. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So we'll see how we do. Um, Before we get into our main topic today, uh, tell me about a piece of social media content recently that brought you joy. So I feel a little silly even saying this because it'll actually be the second podcast that I've been in in a row that I've brought this person up. Okay. But amazing. Her name's Allie Spagnola, or she calls herself Spags. If you haven't (laughs) looked at her, have you looked her up? No, I haven't. Lacey. Like if you're looking for some joy on social media, you should definitely look her up. She does, you know, music, but she does crafts and fitness and somehow makes all three of those things work spectacularly. Anyway, she's brilliant. So the last, the one that I watched, the little content piece that I watched yesterday was where she took and bought a kid's drum set and attached it to her bike. And then, (laughs) oh my gosh. (laughs) But I mean, she's so entertaining because before she could do that, she had to take the fur off of her bike because she had changed her bike into a fur cycle. So she had to take all the fur and then underneath that, she's like, oh yeah, that's right. Before the fur, it was a glow in the dark bike. So then she had to take all the glow in the dark stuff off of her bike too, before she could then turn it into a drum bike. So she just does. Um, the word she uses a lot, outrageous stuff all the time. And it does, it brings you joy. You have to check her out. I must've seen her, uh, her cousin or something recently. I was on the water at Estacada Lake a couple weekends ago. And there was a woman who had a bicycle attached to what looked like almost like two paddle boards or like the bottom of a pontoon boat kind of thing. And she was biking across the lake. Okay. So like the bike is elevated, maybe a foot or two off the water. And then there's, there's these two things that keep it floating. And she was just biking across the lake. It was the strangest thing that I'd ever seen. So they must be cousins or something with their bike capades. So I think that that's a thing though. Is it like a water cycle or something like that? I don't know, but it looked strange having somebody floating on a bike across the water. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds awesome. So it's like a different version of the paddle boat. Is it a paddle bike? Is it a paddle bike? You're looking it up right now, aren't you? (laughs) No. Uh, mm, No. Oh, yeah. You found it? I think I think so. I think I might wow. have. I think I might have just for the sake. Is it like this? <laughs> That's what it's like. <laughs> yes. Hydro bike. Oh, isn't the internet amazing? 
<laughs> the internet is amazing. So it's a hydro bike. Yeah, they're cousins, obviously. All right. So this month, as we move into our main topic, we're kind of continuing this series of almost like a summer school idea. Okay. We've been away from any tips, tactics, and strategies for a few months. And we took a look back at the blog posts that have been our most read blog posts over the last couple of years and decided we would revisit those and talk about them here. So this is not the first time that you and I have been on a podcast talking about this. So today we're talking about solid brand tone and marketing personas. And your mug is your mug is so cool. Like I can't stop looking at your mug. Oh, isn't that neat? It has the handle. So it's homemade, a handmade clay mug and the handle uh, is actually like, like a, a pocket nail pocket. Yeah. yeah. If you can't see it, cause this is, cause you're listening to the audio podcast, go look at the YouTube video. It's very cool. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So one of the reasons I like to talk about this topic a lot and why I like social media so much is because it is a form of transactional communication between brand and customer, meaning that it's not like a billboard or a commercial where it's just the the business, the company, the organization just saying a message and then it's just out there. Social media allows for the opportunity of the customer, the community member to communicate back to the brand, the organization, et cetera. So this transactional communication has two voices, right? Both sides. And if you're going to actually have meaningful conversation on social media, then you need to understand both sides of the conversation. One of those sides is understood through brand tone. The other side is understood by investigating who it is that you're talking to and creating marketing personas. Yes? Yes, that's right. I think that that's probably one of the biggest um, ways that uh, brands and businesses can get hung up is they just think their platform is a way for them to shout what they want to say. Yes. Um, but it can get a little dangerous if you're constantly doing that. You either will shun people because you're not using the right words and the right tone and the right and targeting the right people. And they're just going to be like mm, garbage, ignore. And, and the algorithm will punish you for that. So you have to be careful. Absolutely. So let's start with brand tone. What What is brand tone? What is that? What does that phrase even mean, Amber? So I would describe brand tone as the voice of your brand. Um, so if you imagine your brand was a little uh, human character or dog, I don't care, it can be whatever <laughs> you want, that was speaking to your target demographic, how would they sound? What words would they use? Um, what language, like what tone? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Actually, what tone of voice would they use? Are they somebody who is you know, constantly excited. I think about like that, you know, honk when you drive by Vern Fonk, like that guy's always yelling, mm -hmm. right? He's really trying to get your attention. Um, or, or if you are on the opposite spectrum and you have a business that is a little more somber in nature, maybe you sell headstones, like you're not going to have an excited, upbeat Honk when you drive by a graveyard, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're gonna, you're not going. You know what? Sometimes I see things like that, and I'm like, "Ooh, they missed the mark," and then they luck out in some weird way because it's so outrageous that mm -hmm. people <laughs> like almost making fun of it, share it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so tone is is the voice really of your brand, um, a language, the words you use, and the actual. Um, softness or or hardness or excitability or tone 
And I think being clear and intentional when you're doing marketing about what your tone of voice is is so important because it helps establish trust, right? If the sound, if the content that's coming out of your brand has a similar tone consistently, that proves this, um, that's how you build relationship, right? Oh, that sounds like this brand. You could watch a commercial. You know, I, I love to play that game sometimes. I'll watch a commercial and based on kind of like the movement, the speed, the song choice, I'm like, oh, this is an Apple commercial. Oh, this is a Google commercial. Oh, this is IBM, you know? Yeah, um, sure. So, so it's important to build trust. So how do we actually identify brand tone then? I identify, how, how do we go about deciding what that is? I actually like to start, and maybe you do it a little different. I actually like to start with exploring their target demographic first. Mm. You know, ask asking questions about who who their people are. Who are your um, biggest clients? Who can use this product? Who finds value um, with whatever it is that you're you're marketing? Right. So. Once you kind of know the who, then you can have a better idea of, of how to talk to them or speak to them. But on the flip side of that, also, you do need to stay true to your own brand values, right? So kind of exploring those too. So it's almost tone for me when I'm going through these exercises, tone I do last. Mm. Do you do it? Do you do the opposite? I think I normally do it first, but I might be the outlier because even on our, our worksheets for it, tone is at the bottom and I just normally scroll to the bottom and do it first. I'm not sure why. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so when you think about um, on our tone worksheets, we have questions. Uh, actually, it's not even questions. It's a, a paragraph that you like can fill in at the end. Yeah, yeah. prompts. That's right. Um, it says, my brand makes me feel this way and, and, and that way and blah, blah, blah. So we go through that. I think we're going to talk about that more in a little bit, but we go through that. And once you kind of have those trigger words, it, it creates your tone. It just kind right. of shows itself, I think. Sometimes when I've gone in, brands like have core values already. Like you can ask them, what are your values? And if they've already got those established, I might push them a little bit. Because so normally it'll be a few words, right? Maybe integrity, cooperation, patience. I don't know. Maybe I can't think of any brands that have patience as their core value. Um, but, you know, they'll have a list of words. Okay. Sometimes those words can kind of become the tone. But before I say, yes, those are the tone, I like to push back and say, well, how much are those words actually embodied? Are they, are they actually embodied when your employees are interacting with each other, when your employees are interacting with their customers, you know, throughout other mediums, are those words actually present? Yes or no? So then we'll ask some of these other questions. So what are some of the other questions that are on the list as we're kind of going through brand tone and values? Sure. So uh, we'll usually start by saying, what is your organizational goal, right? So we have different clients, not all of them are selling something, right? So we, we first need to establish what the goal of the organization is, right? Um, and then we will do a prompt. How does your brand make you feel? Or my brand makes me feel, and then have them give us some words. Some of them, like you said, already have those words predetermined. Um, but sometimes you go through this exercise and you hear the first one or two, and it's like, oh, those are their favorite ones, or those are the ones that are most prominent in their yes. business. And then if a loyal customer, 
customer describe my brand in one word, it would be interacting with my brand encourages people to what? The mission and purpose of my brand is, and two words that sum up the mission or purpose. This next one is my, is one of my favorites. Yeah what you don't want your brand to be, right? That's important. I don't want my brand to be this. And then usually we will put all of those questions, we'll take them all and we'll kind of create a, a mission statement, if you will. So the, the content or social media strategy we produce helps us to meet the goal and we will insert the goal there by providing what kind of content that makes, what audience we've determined, feel the emotion that we've determined so they can meet the goal, right? So those are those are kind of how we walk through the, the tone and then wrap it all up at the end in a little package. Yeah. So I I think it's so interesting and so important, if, especially if you're partnering with any sort of outside group that's going to be responsible for doing your content. But even if you're just doing it internally, gaining some cohesion around what our tone of voice sounds like at the beginning, or at least even if it's not at the beginning, at some point, if we all agree that this is what our voice is going to sound like, it makes it so much easier for you to create content moving forward. As a, as kind of a, just an example, you know, I've got like a countertop company who their name uh, is Precision Countertops, right? And so their tone is nice and precise. Okay, so uh, (laughs) so their people are very kind to each other, to their customers, and they're always very precise about their projects. So it's as simple as getting it down to like two words. We are nice, we are precise. So that informs how you talk. We're always gonna have this kind of flowery, kind, compassionate language, but we're also gonna be straight to the point. We're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna drone on for a while. We're gonna get facts correct. Um, so I, I love coming up with brand tone that can just inform content moving forward. It's so nice. Yeah. And I think it's important, especially when you have a team that you're all on the same page when it comes mm-hmm. to this, this kind of stuff. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So let's move on to personas. So what is a marketing persona, Amber? Uh, a persona is, and sometimes you can hear it as a target demographic, but it really narrows in your target demographic. This exercise can be pretty uncomfortable for some people because we like to give our personas a very specific name. We like to give them an age and how many kids they have. We like to imagine them as the realest of human being that we possibly can so that when we are creating content and we're trying to be uh, creative and specific to our target demographic, we can have that person um, in mind at all times. So it is um, your target demographic in a very specific way Uh, down to down to, you know, two or three uh, different maybe personas. Perfect. Um, So when we are trying to come up with these things, sometimes when we start, people, like you said, are very uncomfortable right? Because, because it's hard to even know where to start. Who, who are you trying to sell to? And what do a lot of people say? Uh, uh, the, uh, 30 to 50 year olds. And <laughs> yeah, usually I mean, it, I've heard people say, even say like everyone, you know, yeah, right. you know, we can sell to everyone. It's like, come on now. <laughs> like you're not yeah. going to be able to make a connection with people if you're trying to appeal to everyone. Right. That's right. That's right. So um, 
So go through some of the questions that we ask people to help determine what these personas are going to be like. So usually when I do this exercise with clients, we, I let them talk and they just say, okay, so who do you think your target demographic is? And I just let them talk and talk and talk until they kind of feel like they've said what they already think. And so then once they've gotten that out, it kind of gets, it makes them feel a little bit more prepared to go through and really narrow down some specifics. So we, we give them a name. Um, I really like to tell them when we start this, my, my favorite thing to tell them is to think of your favorite customer that you've ever had. Like the one that you wish you had 150,000 of that particular. That's the best prompt, best prompt question, I think. Yeah. And, and let's, um, model this, this target or this persona after that person, because then we can hopefully bring in a bunch more of that client. And that helps them a lot. In, instead of having to start from something like totally amorphous, you know, if there's an actual person they can draw on and what is it about that person that makes them a good customer to us? Right. So we, so we give them a name and usually if the customer's name is Joe Smith, we'll be like Bill Smithy, you know, something <laughs> is, it's almost always something kind of similar. Uh, we give them an age or an age range. Uh, we give them family details. So if they're married, if they have kids, um, if Why they're tired, why does that matter? their family. Well, so when you, when we're creating ads for social media, we can actually narrow down who we're targeting down to those fine details. So we actually, it's once you have all these details in, you can actually create an audience that looks exactly like that persona. Um, and if you have an audience that looks exactly like that persona, well then by golly, more of those personas will start engaging with you. So, yeah. And it, and it definitely helps you understand what kind of content to create for them. Right. If Bill Smithy is 50 um, and he's got his first grandchild, um, then the content we're going to write for him is going to be very different than if uh, he was 30 and had some young children, right? That's right. Absolutely. So then with that same kind of details, we talk about their career, we talk about their income level, their hobbies and interests. And then maybe even most important is their fears. Um, a lot of times when you're marketing something, you want your product is a solution for somebody's problem. Um, whether they uh, need a new lawn and you are a hydro seeding business or whether you um, have a broken sewing machine and the business is, is a sewing machine repair. Your business solves somebody else's problems, right? So in the same sense could be their fears. Um, if they have certain fears, let your business be the solution to those also. Um, and then we, we also do a day in the life of them, which is kind of fun. It's just another way to really hone in on that character, like to, that person. I like to, especially in regards to social media for this part, I like to ask like, when would they, in the day in the life section, when would this person actually be getting on social media during their day, yeah. right? Is it when they first get up in the morning? Is it when they're sitting on the toilet? Is it when they're on their lunch break? Is it when they're going to bed? Is it when they're relaxing after work? You know, how does social media actually fit into their day so that we know when this content's going to be hitting them? Yeah, that's right. So 
And then we get, we go a little bit further and we say, so what are the motivations like to engage with our brand? Like what would make them want to engage us? Um, and then on the flip side of that, what are the hesitations to engage mm -hmm. with our brand? What would make that person go meh, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then of course we talk about the products and services that we have that will help them solve their problem. So that's, we usually will do that for two to three different personas. Um, and then we'll create audiences that match those on our Facebook or Instagram. Well, Instagram ads are a little bit different, but, um, Facebook ads, you can really narrow in just like these personas, which is super, super awesome. So that's the perfect. My next question was how we actually apply these personas. And, you know, you're exactly right that we can make ad audiences based off of them. We can create specific campaigns like content campaigns based around specific audiences if we want to. And I love using these personas in conversation during content creation as much as possible. Like who is this actually going to appeal to? You know, like with that same countertop company, we have one audience called uh, Bill and Jill Smith, interestingly enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we have another uh, audience called Aaron. Um, it's like, you know, an older couple who is uh, remodeling their forever home versus a younger couple or single person who is had just moved into a home and is replacing the old nasty countertops from the home they just moved into. And so we will we will say, oh, this is going to appeal really well to Aaron. So let's make sure that we're using Aaron's ad audience. Um, let's write, we haven't written something for Bill and Jill recently. Let's go in and, and create something specifically for Bill and Jill. Do you find yourself doing the same thing? Yes, absolutely. And actually when I'm feeling stuck on content, I'll actually go back and look and kind of see what we've done lately and kind of go, oh, we haven't done that in a while. Okay. That's fantastic. Let's go, let's go ahead and recycle that, um, concept or, or content. And so when you look at your ad audiences too, you're kind of trying to make sure that you're doing an even amount, or maybe you offer 16 services and 12 of them are, you know, to Aaron and the other ones are, are to Bill and the Jill. Smith, the Smith, Bill and Jill, the Smith family. I couldn't remember the first name. Uh, then maybe you do it like a one to four ratio. Mm -hmm. So it, it is a good way to kind of keep yourself on the tracks. Yeah, definitely. Um, are there any parts of this that you feel like are the hardest parts to actually do and any parts that you feel like are the easiest and kind of bring you the most satisfaction? I think maybe one of the trickiest parts of doing brand tone and persona exploration is when a customer thinks that their target demographic is one thing. And when you actually start digging in at something different or when they're wanting to do, when they have a whole list of, of how, you know, their existing customers are this way, but they're wanting a different caliber or a different kind of customers. So you're making that switch. Um, that can be kind of tricky. It doesn't happen all that often, but sometimes it does. And, and it really, you have to really bring out the creativity to to make it line up. As you're talking about that, I was thinking one thing that I've experienced before is, first of all, it's best for you to do these exercises with multiple people from an organization, right? So you've got voices coming from multiple departments. Um, but sometimes there might be like an owner or a manager who thinks they know what the target demographic is. And then there are other people in the organization that totally disagree. And yes. navigating those conversations can be very difficult. Yep, absolutely. 
Um, so I wanted to throw this out here. So we have a little worksheet. It's a very simple worksheet and I haven't cleared this with the boss, but um, if, if you go to thinkspry.com and just hit that chat with us button and fill out our contact form and just request it, we'll send you this, this form. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to help you guys walk through it. Yeah. Cause it, we can send, we can send you the form, but you might, you might actually just want us to help you with it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people will, who have internal staff and don't need like ongoing support, like the consulting support that we do, um, they'll hire us to just do an initial audit and we'll kind of come up with an overall content strategy and then just leave it for them to do on their own. That's something that's really fun for us is kind of setting up the foundation. Yeah. Walking them through it. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, how often do you think people should be updating this information, looking, re-looking at their tone and personas? We look at it once a year, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it changes a little bit per year. Um, and it might change your business might change and you exactly. might want to actually spry. We just did a, a really huge focus change in that we, last year decided we were going to do social media for good. And if it wasn't for good, then we weren't having any part of it. And, um, it was scary to do that, but, mm -hmm. uh, it's working out well for us, but that in that shift, we had to go through and look at all of those things again. So, yeah, to me, it feels like, you know, you should do a, an overhaul every year or so, but to me, it really does feel like kind of a constant refinement refining and refining and refining, you know, what's working well here. Oh, this is a little bit of a different age range than we thought it might be. You know, we should probably adjust this if we see these results happening over time. Yeah. So every three months we like to look at the data and see what, what we're doing and what is actual, what the results actually are. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can make your adjustments from there. Perfect. Okay, well, I think that was a really good rundown. We do have a blog post all about this that will be uh, updated. We, we wrote this post quite a few years, what, two years ago or so, um, but it will have all updated information as of July 2021. So um, go check that out if you want to just see a little bit more about this. And maybe I'll even add it as a link. Maybe it can be like a downloadable link for people if they, uh, they want to have this worksheet. That would be a great idea. So as we get to our last question, um, as we are so focused on social media for good, like you said, throughout this year, um, we want people to be intentional about the content they're putting out, about the content they're taking in, and really take a good hard look at their actual relationship with social media too. So Amber, how's your relationship with social media right now? Um, I would say it's actually pretty good. It's fine. I, I am on social media a lot, obviously for work, um, but I have my algorithm pretty dialed in anymore. I don't engage with things that I don't want to see more of. Um, even if I'm like intrigued to just know who said that and why. <laughs> so, um, I feel like I'm, I feel like it's okay. It's pretty good. I mean, I still am laying in bed and scrolling quite a while to like help my brain shut off and then, and which sounds weird, but it does. Um, and that's a habit I'd like to break, but other than that, pretty okay. Good. I've felt a little bit compulsive lately. Um, like I've, I've been distracting with social media and, uh, Adrian sent me a, a meme that hit a little too hard. It was like, it was like, um, you know, 
goodbye Facebook or goodbye Instagram. I'll see you in 10 seconds. And that like perfectly describes like I'll get tired of doing it and then I'll just close the app and like literally out of programming habit, I just open it back up again and there's new posts at the top 10 seconds later. Like what's wrong with me? And Instagram is different than Facebook that way, right? Mm -hmm. Facebook, I swear you, I have, I don't know. I've over a thousand friends. I might have 1500. I don't know. I know I have over a thousand. 1500 friends. (laughs) Now I'm going to look. I'm just messing you. <laughs> it, no matter what, I probably see the same 40 all the time, right? And so if they're not updating multiple times a day, then I get back on and it's like after a couple posts, it's the same stuff all day, mm-hmm. every day. And it's super annoying. But Instagram, it feels like the content is new and fresh every time you're on it. So <laughs> it's a little different. Can I share one win too real quick that I feel like? I'd love that social media for good win. Uh, one thing that I like to try to teach as much as possible, just to the, to the layman of social media, you know, people who aren't even social media managers, just people who interact on social media on a regular basis is the importance of checking your sources before you share content. Um, you know, especially during times of strife, if you will. So like, um, let's take just overall vaccine content that's been coming out right now, you know. I have friends on many sides, you know, on this myriad of sides that you could be on in regards to pandemic and and vaccines, et cetera. And I had a friend who shared a video that I thought was quite strange and interesting, right? It was like a, a veterinarian and she was like, check this out, you know, put this, uh, this ID finder, you know, the microchip checker for animals. And she's like, put it in my vaccine arm. And it like popped up a number, right? And and that's what this person shared. And it said like, oh my God. And so what did I do? It was on Instagram they shared, but it was a TikTok video. So I looked at who the original creator was of the TikTok video because that's terrifying, right? <laughs> and, and I go to TikTok, I look at, I watch the original video and I look and there's a pinned comment from the creator at the very top that says, seriously, people, can you not tell this is a joke? Um, you know, I, I put a microchip in my sleeve. It's a joke, you know? <laughs> and so, and so I screenshotted that and went over to my friend and was like, Hey, I thought that was really interesting. So I went and checked and the first pinned comment was from the creator saying it was a joke. And she was like, okay, thank you. And then deleted that story, you know? So like, I felt like I had done my social media for good job of the day of like stopping misinformation. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know my mom's a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, mom, come on. It's like, it's a liquid. (laughs) (laughs) And, and just more than anything, check your sources, check your sources, check your sources, check your sources, you know? Yeah. Yep. So absolutely. Good job. (laughs) Thank you. So um, if you enjoyed this conversation, you want to hear more from us, you can find us all over at thinkspry.com on all the social medias at thinkspry. Next month in August, we are going to be having our third social media for good forum. And so tickets will be available for that very soon. All the profits from that go to uh, charity and we just want to spread as much social media for good as possible. So we'll have a couple of really great panelists using social media for good in their own communities. 
Um, so if you are interested in coming and supporting that cause, you can go to thinkspry.com and click on social media for good and it will take you to get your tickets to that. Okay. Yes. And if you, again, if you want that uh, persona and tone worksheet to help you out so you can create your own, go to thinkspray.com and fill out our little contact form, make a note of it and we'll make sure to send it to you. All right. Thank you, Amber, so much for your time. I appreciate you and all those who are listening. I hope you keep learning and have a great day. We will talk to you soon. Bye. This Spry Space podcast was brought to you by Spry Social Media Marketing at thinkspry.com. Edited by Chad Hinman and executive produced by Lacey Fott.